12 years ago, I headed up on Wednesday night to Ontario Beach Park uh, with some friends from Northridge, and I didn't realize that that night I would actually meet who is now my future wife, Laura. Uh, eventually, we would start to date and then get engaged, and while we were engaged, we began to imagine what will our future look like together? What will it be like to be married? Well, this summer, we're going to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary. And so, yes, I'm excited for that. I still have to make plans. Uh, but now my wife, uh, Laura, knows what it's like to be married to me. So you can pray for her. Four years ago, we started to look for our first house. And so we got on Zillow, we got on Redfin, we looked at all kinds of pictures and we went to a lot of open houses, way too many open houses. And as we walked through homes, as we looked at rooms, as we looked at pictures online, we began to imagine what our future might look like in that home. You know, what room would my daughter sleep in? What future kids would be born there? Who would we have over to our house? What would our neighbors be like? And one of the truths in life is that we spend a lot of our life imagining what our future is going to look like, both right now and for eternity. But one of the realities of life is that our future is impacted by our choices. Or you could say it this way, that what you did yesterday and what you do today will impact your tomorrow. And sadly, what we hope for in, in the future is often hurt by our past. That, that our sin, it keeps us not only from the future that we would desire, uh, but the future that, that God wants for us. And near the end of Drew's video from Israel, he asked a question. He said, if Jesus can really predict the future, can't we trust him with ours? And so today, as we take a deeper look at John chapter 2, I want to propose this, that if we truly trust God with our future, then one of the things that we will be willing to do is to clean out the areas of our life that are hurting us today. That if we trust God with our future, we'll cleanse our lives as Jesus cleansed the temple. So you can grab a Bible, turn to John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, uh, if you're using one of our Bibles from Northridge, you can find that on page 861. But, but look at this, and, and how did Jesus go about cleansing the temple? Look again at verse 15. It says, so he, Jesus, he made, so he actually made a whip himself. He made a whip out of cords, and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables, to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Well, today I brought with me a whip. And I wanted to kind of imagine what would this scene have been like with Jesus? I mean, I wouldn't have brought a whip, but Jesus brought a whip into the temple. He made a whip in the temple. And what would the scene have been like? Imagine if I was to go to the state fair in Syracuse and I was to bring a whip with me. Now, I haven't had a whole lot of practice with this and so I could probably do some damage to myself. So I gotta be careful here. But imagine if I just started swinging this around at the fair and then, then I went to the barns where the animals were, the, the cattle and the sheep, and I started whipping this around. I mean. I might, there you go, I got a snap. I mean, I might scare someone. 
Uh, imagine then if I opened up the pins where the cattle are and I start swinging this around and they start charging through the fairgrounds. I mean, these are big animals. They could do some damage. They could trample some people. And I'm not sure how good Jesus was with the whip that he made, but I mean, he could poke an eye out. He could hurt himself. I mean, this would be, have been quite the scene. But Jesus didn't just drive out sheep and cattle. Imagine if, if I was to go to the Rochester Public Market on Saturday morning. And then I was just to start flipping over tables, uh, grabbing people's purses and pouring out their money, that I was to grab the cash registers on the tables and open them up and dump them out and toss them on the ground. And they said, stop, get out of here, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, what would happen to me? Well, most likely I would get arrested, but, but what happened to Jesus? Well, in verse 18, we see that even though there was a Roman guard stationed right on the edge of the temple that Jesus didn't get arrested. Instead, they just questioned them, him. They said, who do you think you are? Who is this Jesus who is clearing the temple with so much zeal, who is taking sin so seriously? And what do we learn here from Jesus' example? Well, as verse 17 says, we see that Jesus was zealous. Now, these people had turned God's house into a marketplace. They were hindering those who had come to worship Jesus. And Jesus burned with righteous anger. He was indignant. And he didn't just sit on his hands, but he took serious action. Jesus cleansed the temple with zeal. And in the same way, if we're going to trust God with our future, if we're going to trust God with our lives, then we should cleanse our lives with zeal. I think what God wants for us, both right now and for forever, more than anything, is for us to know him and to walk with him, for us to experience his very presence. And yet our sin hurts our relationship with him now and it hurts our future. For about a thousand years, God's presence dwelled in a building, in the temple in Jerusalem. But when Jesus came, he changed all of that. that. That God's presence moved from a building in Jerusalem into a person, into Jesus himself, that Jesus became the temple. He was the literal presence of God on earth as the God-man. And what's even more amazing is that when any of us when we decide to place our faith and trust in Jesus, that the scriptures teach that God comes to live inside of us, that we become a temple of God. And, and Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? In fact, in the next verse in that passage, Paul says, if your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, then you should honor God with your body, that you should take your own sin seriously. And just as Jesus cleansed the temple with zeal, we should cleanse the temple of our own bodies. And we should do so with the same zeal that Jesus did. So let me ask you, what are the tables in your life that you need to flip? What would it look like for me, for you, for us as a church to take our sin as seriously as Jesus did? And I wanna propose three things that we can do. The first one is to stop and examine your life. King David, he prayed this prayer in Psalm 139. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way 
everlasting. And yet, instead of us stopping to examine our lives, we avoid examination because it's painful. Uh, We would rather fill our lives with distractions instead of to look within at at what's hindering us. But what what choices are you making that are impacting your future? What is not in alignment with what God would want for you? Are you like the leaders of the temple? Are you seeking your own good at the expense of others? What is holding you back? Is it a relationship that is not honoring to God? Is it a poor choice you're making in your workplace? Is it what you're putting into your body? Is it what you're filling your mind with? Is it how you're treating your family? Is it how you're spending your time? Is it how you're spending your money or maybe spending money that isn't yours? What is God bringing to your mind? If we take our sin as as seriously as Jesus did the sin in the temple, then we should stop and examine our lives. But we shouldn't just stop there. The second thing we should do is to ask someone else to examine your life. Now, what? Why, Why would we do that? Well, we are so good at justifying our own actions. We think, you know what? I don't think this was really that big of a deal. And maybe we're right, maybe it's not a big deal. But if we're gonna take our sin as seriously as Jesus did in the temple, then one of the things that we should be willing to do is to ask input from others. And there's two ways we can do this. We can surround ourselves with people who are gonna tell us the things that we want to hear, but maybe not the things that we need to hear. Or we can talk with someone who we know is gonna shoot straight with us. They're going to tell us what we need to hear, even if what they say we know might be painful to hear. Is there something in your life that is hindering you that no one else knows about, that you haven't told anyone? And I want to say this, that we are not meant to carry those burdens, our struggles, our sin alone. And there's so many people in this church and outside of this church that would love to walk alongside of you. So, so who do you know that, that loves you, that, that loves God and would love to walk alongside of you? Examine yourself and then ask them for input. And then lastly, do whatever it takes to cleanse the sin out of your life. King Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter eight, he said, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. That we should be so angry at our sin and the destruction it's causing in our life and in others' lives that we do whatever we can to drive it out. In fact, Jesus gave some pretty powerful language in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five. He says this, he says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, then gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, then cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And while Jesus isn't actually asking us to actually rip our eyes out and cut our hand off, what would it look like for us to take our sin that seriously? What will it take for you to cleanse the sin out of your life? What will it take me? Do you need to confess your sin to someone? To cut off that relationship? To get rid of your smartphone? To, To change your job? To change your living situation? I think we know in our heart of hearts 
that God has something so much better for us, but it can be so hard to let go of our sin. It can be so hard to take the necessary steps, but God is asking us, he's asking me, he's asking you, will you trust me? What is keeping you from trusting God with your future? Maybe, maybe you find yourself thinking, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if I can give my future to God. And if you find yourself thinking, what he's calling me to give up is too much, then I want, I want you to think about what he has given up for you. Do you remember Jesus' response in the temple when they said, by whose authority are you doing these things? Are you cleansing the temple? What was his answer? Well, he predicted his future death and resurrection. Verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. You see, Jesus wasn't just radical in cleansing the temple. He was radical in giving us his life. And so when we ask the question, how can I trust God with my future? How can I give God my life? We can give God our lives. We can give our lives to God because he gave his life for us. In a moment, we're gonna take some time as a church to remember Christ by celebrating communion. You should have received uh, a little communion element on the way in. If you didn't, you can get one of those now. If you're watching online, uh, this is a chance for you to grab those. And communion is an opportunity for us to take bread and juice, to remember Jesus' body and blood that was broken for us, how he gave his life for us. And this is an opportunity, if you are a follower of Jesus, to remember what Christ has done for you. If you have never placed your faith in Christ, then you can do that right now. You can say, God, forgive me of my sins. Be the leader of my life. And then you can take communion with us, uh, being forgiven for the first time by Christ. But before we take communion, I want us to think a little bit more about what Christ has done for us. Maybe you're sitting in the room today or you're sitting at Webster, you're watching online and, and you'd say, Jason, I've just made way too much of a mess of my life. And, and, and I, I don't see how I can ever clean it up. It's just too much. I've ruined my life. I've ruined my future. This last week, I came downstairs in my house and I found my three-year-old daughter sitting at our table, happily coloring with markers. Um, but what she was coloring was our tablecloth. And so right away I said, Haven, stop, stop what you're doing. And immediately she just melted. She said, Daddy, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm sorry. She was so overwhelmed by the mess that she had made. Maybe that's how you feel. You've made a mess of your life and you wonder how it could ever be cleaned. But what my three-year-old daughter didn't understand was what she had written with, what she had colored with was washable markers. And I could simply take that cloth off the table, I could put it in the washing machine and the stains would be removed. The stains would be gone but maybe you find yourself asking that same question. Can my mess be cleaned up? Can it be washed? Can my stains be removed? And that's where the beauty of the gospel comes in, that we can't clean up our lives, but God can. That he cleansed the temple so the Jews could come to worship him, and he gave up his life so that our life could be cleansed. And it doesn't matter what mess you have made, God knows your future. And he has provided a way for you to be cleansed. So who is this Jesus? Well, he's the one who not only cleansed the corruption out of the temple, 
but he is the one who gave his life so that we could be cleansed. And the question today is, will you trust him? In a moment, we're going to sing a song together. And as we sing, this will be our opportunity to receive and take communion together at any point during the song. Uh, you can take the communion elements, you can eat them and drink them and, and reflect on his sacrifice for you. And so as we sing and as we take communion together, let's apply this message together. What in your life do you need to give to God? As you sing, as you pray, as you think, confess it to him and then decide how you're gonna respond to his prompting in your life today. And may your first act of trust be to remember the life that he gave so that you can give him yours. And as you sing, as you pray, as you eat the bread, as you drink the juice, thank God for his mercy and grace on, on your behalf. And then let's commit to give him our lives today, to give him our future as we seek to obey him this week.